And Adam and Eve had sought enlightenment and life, but only found death. And sadly, this path has been trodden down by countless of their children throughout the ages. Adam and Eve eating the fruit resulted in God's judgment coming upon all mankind. And so like Adam, those who search for knowledge and life apart from God will only find death. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're concluding Romans chapter 5, looking at verses 12 through 21, titled this, The Free Gift. I titled it that because... Uh, We'll read those words three times in this passage. So today we're going to see the free gift in verses 12 through 21 of Romans chapter 5. And we're first going to see in verses 12 through 14, death reigned because of one. In verses 15 through 17, life reigns because of one. In verses 18 through 21, grace reigns through righteousness. I'll read verses 12 through 14, our first point. Romans 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. And I ask, Father, that you would open our hearts to receive from your word this morning. Lord, let your Holy Spirit teach us truths, perhaps that we have not seen before. Or Lord, let your Holy Spirit do what our Savior Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would do, that he would be a a reminder of those things. Lord, we pray that you'd bless this time and bless your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So death reigned because of one. In verse 12, we find that sin entered the world. And he says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. We go back to Genesis chapter 3, right after the fall, when uh, God came down to Adam and Eve and he 
cursed Satan, but then also he revealed at least seven things that initially resulted from Adam's fall. As you go through Genesis 3, verses 16 through 19, you'll see that sorrow was introduced, where God said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Of course, talking to the woman there, but sorrow was introduced to our world. Also, again, talking to Eve, he introduced the idea of pain. In pain, you shall bring forth children. To Adam, he said, curse is the ground for your sake. So a third thing that was introduced to the world was this curse. But notice he did not curse Adam, but said, cursed is the ground for your sake. And then to Adam again, he introduced toil. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And fifth, thorns, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. Six, sweat, I've gotten this one down good. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. And seventh, death, till you return to the ground. So the seven things, sorrow, pain, curse, toil, thorns, sweat, and death. Adam and Eve actually had sought to become like God, knowing good from evil. But all they accomplished was to walk away from the path that God had created for them. God's path would have led them to everlasting life. But instead, they chose a path that led to, as we have just seen, it led to sorrow, pain, cursing, toil, thorns, sweat, and ultimately death. And these all happened on the day that they ate of the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day that they experienced spiritual death and then ultimately one day experiencing physical death. God had said to them in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And Adam and Eve had sought enlightenment and life, but only found death. And sadly, this path has been trodden down by countless of their children throughout the ages. Adam and Eve eating the fruit resulted in God's judgment coming upon all mankind. And so like Adam, those who search for knowledge and life apart from God will only find death. In verses 13 and 14, we find that death reigned from Adam to Moses. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him to come. So sin was in the world, but it was not imputed. It's a Greek word that refers to, uh, to be charged to someone's account. Paul used this same Greek word when he was writing in Philemon, verse 18, writing to Philemon. 
and had said, if he had wronged you or owes you anything, put it on my account. Onesimus had, was a runaway slave that Paul had met while they were in prison, and he sent a letter back to his owner. And he said to the owner, whom, by the way, Paul had led to the Lord, he said, if he owes you anything, put it on my account. That's the same Greek word being used here. The law, a sin was in the world, but until the law, sin was not imputed. It was not put on the account of those who were sinning because they had no knowledge of the sin or the law that they were breaking. And although original sin has not been repeated by any of Adam's descendants, remember God said to Adam and Eve, of all the trees in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, and the day you eat of that you shall surely die. Now that was the law that God gave to Adam and Eve. It was one law, and they broke it. But it was a law that could not be repeated from any of their descendants because we know that God, in his mercy, put Adam and Eve out of the garden. And so there was no ability for anyone since that time to be tempted by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was put out of our sight. So an inability. Yet nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And we can say that we are all our father's children. That inherent sin nature has been passed on to each of us. And sin was in the world for death reigned from Adam to Moses, but it was not imputed until the law was given. And this principle here applied to the fact that between Adam's transgression and the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, sin, though it was in the world, did not partake of the character of the transgression. The transgression, the original transgression, was because Adam chose to be disobedient to the one law that God had given him. Now, that one law was not passed on to Adam's descendants. In fact, God in his mercy spared any of the other descendants from being faced with that choice. And so it wasn't reduplicated in that sense but all along, sin was there. The result of Adam and Eve eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil from that tree, that was passed on to all of us. No other law was given until God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And those sinners, sin was not imputed until the time of Moses. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it tells us, For as in Adam all die, even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. So because of Adam and Eve and their sin, they're in the garden. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But here we find at the tail end of verse 14 that he was alike, a type of him who was to come. And this speaks about here, this, as I said earlier, the contrast that Paul plays out here at the end of chapter 5 between Adam and Jesus. And it's not a contrast of equals, but it is truly uh, a contrast between two federal heads. A parallelism exists between Adam and Jesus 
as heads of groups of human beings, a parallelism that is, is a, a true contrast because Adam is not like Jesus and Jesus not like Adam. But we find in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the first man, Adam, became a living being and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And so life comes through both Adams. One, we became living beings because of God's work through the first Adam and that he created mankind and those who follow. But the last Adam, Jesus, becomes a life-giving spirit. And it's by the mercies of God. The second Adam, Jesus, came not only to pay the penalty of our sins, but to give us eternal life. But we find here in this first section in verses 12 through 14 that we are all our father's children. We're all sinners in need of a savior and his name is Jesus. Secondly, we discover that life reigns because of one. So we've discovered already in our first point that death reigned because of one, Adam. Now we discover life reigns because of one, Jesus. Picking up in verse 15, we see, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Now the free gift, uh, charisma is that Greek word that's found here. And it means a gift of grace. So charis is the Greek word for grace. And it has the suffix, as I said, the M-A at the end of that word. So charisma, we get out of that. It's a gift involving grace, a favor received without any merit of our own. And, and that is true. Uh, salvation, as I said earlier, if we could work for our salvation, then there would be no need of Jesus. And the gift wouldn't be a free gift. It would be a gift given to us because we'd earned the right for it. In fact, it wouldn't be a gift at all. It would be wages due. But we cannot earn this. It's by divine grace by which the pardon of sin and eternal salvation is appointed to sinners in the consideration of the merits of Christ. And we lay hold of that by faith. We gain it by faith. Well, this much more here in verse 15 is the third of five much mores that's found here in chapter 5. There's only, if I, if I remember correctly, there's only seven much mores in all of the epistle of Romans. And he packages five of them right into chapter 5. We looked at two of those last week in verses 9 and 10. We just read another one in verse 15. We'll see it again in verse 17 and again in verse 20. Paul understood that the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus, far outweighs the sin nature that we have inherited from Adam. That's the much more. The abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness is available because Jesus paid the penalty of the fall. Jesus suffered 
that we might have life. Adam and his disobedience brought death. Death reigned because of one. But now life reigns because of one, Jesus Christ. But it's because Jesus suffered the death. He paid the price that we owed that he might present to us life and life everlasting. In Hebrews 2.9 it tells us, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. And it's only through following the path that Jesus has set before us that we can receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, which leads to everlasting life. There is no other path. There is a philosophy of religion in the world today that teaches many ways lead to God, many paths, many roads. But the Bible doesn't teach that. That's what man teaches. That's what man likes to believe. The world teaches many ways, many methods, many individuals, many saviors. In fact, the world would say that all the many different names for God, they're actually talking about just one God. Or if you go to India, they might be referring to over 100,000 gods. But there is only one God, and only one way to salvation is through his Son, Jesus Christ. In verse 16, Paul continues, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came through many offenses resulted in justification. Paul continues to contrast our two federal heads, that of Adam and Jesus. From Adam was the gift of condemnation. Thank you very much, Adam. Galatians 3.10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. It's kind of like James saying, you break one point of the law, you've broken them all. The curse is upon us because God set forth the law that we should, mankind should walk in obedience to them but remember, Adam only had one law, and he couldn't keep one law. Later on, at the time of Moses, God gave ten laws. If we can't keep one law, we can't keep ten laws. The Jews, trying to understand the ten laws, took and worked it out where they made 613 laws. Uh, 365 don'ts, one for every day. You know, I, I haven't seen that list yet, but maybe we could have that promise box. Uh, we could develop one, maybe make a lot of money, maybe not. Of the law that we could break every single day of the year. But we have those promises, uh, the don'ts, and then the remainder of the 613, the do's. Those things we should be doing, those things we shouldn't be doing. And the only reason the... Uh, Torah came up with the 613 they were trying to better define, but they understood that we can't keep these, so we, what's the primary laws? They even asked Jesus, 
What's the main laws we should be keeping? And Jesus would respond, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And in these you keep the heart of the commandments. But we can't do that. We fail in doing that. From Adam came the gift of condemnation. Because of the condemnation, death reigned because of one. I was thinking about that, death reigned, we're born to die. You've probably heard of that phrase before, and I, I googled that this week. I'm not suggesting that you look up your answers, but this is, uh, I thought, was a little uh, humorous, because what came up first was Yahoo Answers. Just a thought, perhaps we shouldn't seek deep and great philosophical and theological uh, questions from Yahoo, but our world is doing it. And so someone had asked, what does we were born to die mean? And so if you've ever seen Yahoo Answers, they always put the best answer at the top. It had nothing to do with the Bible, so it's not the true answer. It's just what they feel is the best answer. So I quote, everything you do in life, everything you achieve, however successful you become, it doesn't matter because you're going to die anyways. Okay, so that's being a bit more pessimistic than necessary, but that's basically it. This statement is somewhat asking what the point of life is, whether it really matters, because in the end, we all die no matter who we are. Again, maybe Yahoo Answers isn't the place to go get your answers from. But it's there. It means people are searching these deep questions. Not only talking about life, but eternal life. And they're going to the internet and to sources and going away from the Word of God. It reminded me of something... Uh, Pastor Chuck, I heard him say it from the pulpit or on recordings over and over again. He would often say, there's only one life, it will soon be passed, and only what you do for Christ will last. In this life, we need to know that there is a purpose, an eternal purpose. Yes, we are born to die, but it also reminded me of that saying, that perhaps I've said it here in the pulpit before, but I only have rehashed it because I grew up hearing it. You're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. It speaks about uh, being born once in the flesh. You'll die both as Adam and Eve discovered, both spiritual and physical death. But if you're born twice, born physically and spiritually, then you only die physically and spiritually. We live forever. Comparing Adam to Jesus, we discover from Jesus comes the gift of justification. The free gift came from many offenses because Jesus died for the sins of the world. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
So the gift of salvation results in our justification. We learned in chapter 4 that Abraham's justification came by faith 430 years before the law was ever given. And then about 450 years after the law was given, David discovered that his justification also came by faith, not by the keeping of the law. And Paul used these two men to show that our justification before God does not come by works, but it comes by faith in the work of the one, Jesus Christ. In Acts 13, 38 and 39, it says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things which could not be justified by the works of the law. It's by him, by Jesus, that we are justified. Our justification, just as if we have never sinned, it comes by faith in the work of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension to the right hand of the Father. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.